shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Hey friends, welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. And I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you joined us for this conversation. Let's dive in. Well, I am thrilled about this podcast episode. I can't even wait for you to get to meet two of the most remarkable humans and parents I know. My brother-in-law, Aaron Weber, who is the Director of Gifts and Leadership at Daystar Counseling, working alongside us, and my little sister, Kathleen Weber, who is an amazing rock star of an entrepreneur, small business owner, and mom to these two little guys that you all know I love with my whole heart, and I just am so excited for us to get to have this conversation together. We have talked about having y'all... How many years? I don't know how long now. A long time. It's the sweetest to have the two of you sitting here. It's so (laughs) You got your wish. I got my wish. So Kathleen's my little sister, 16 years younger, only the two of us. And Aaron is my favorite brother-in-law on the planet. Amen. Of all the brother-in-laws I could have gotten, you're my favorite brother-in-law on the planet. And... I can't imagine two better parents to the little guys that God gave you to. You're amazing with them. And and it was so fun to ask you to come do this because I really do feel that way. Like, I feel like there's so many things people can learn from who you both are naturally with those two guys. And I mean, I wanted to make sure we talk about self-regulating because y'all are amazing at getting them to do that. You're amazing at dance parties in the kitchen, too, mm-hmm. at being in the moment. Like, there's so many things that two of you do just out of an extension of who you are that is, I don't know, just is a real gift to me to get to watch. So I love having y'all on here. It is really fun. And I'm so excited to hear your answers to these questions. 
we couldn't do it without you and oh, wouldn't be the sure. parents we are without you dancing in the kitchen with us. Well, I can dance, but things. I don't know little boys. Well, I'm me not... neither. <laughs> <laughs> I know two of them. <laughs> me too. The two cutest in the world. I knew we'd cry in this episode. I didn't think it would happen in the introduction. <laughs> I thought we'd at I'm least sorry. get five questions in, but sorry. here we are. Here we are. It feels so right to have you both here for all the obvious reasons, but two... You can't imagine how much we talk about you on this podcast and the amazing <laughs> stories we tell about you. So it feels right that now we would talk with you, yes. not just about you. And it and does. I'm going to interrupt and say, Aaron said before this started, are you going to use your counselor voices? Are we using no, our counselor? No, y'all aren't. We this sound like very, ourselves? Yeah, this is okay, nice. Okay, good. I'm having a hot flash now because <laughs> we're talking about all this. <laughs> so we want to begin by just having you all tell us a little bit about your story, about your family then and now growing up and how you found your way to doing the work that you're both doing. Well, I was seven when Sissy started working at Daystar. Would that be right? So I feel like I've had a very fortunate experience to grow up with Sissy in this world and learning from her for a very, very long time. Um, and had a single mom growing up and a dad and stepmom too, and learned a lot about family dynamics and um, just grateful to get to be in this with Aaron and um, figuring it out together because I sure don't know the answers, but I'm thankful to have someone with me who um, is patient and kind mm -hmm. and um, also knows he doesn't have all the answers either. That was so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. How did you end up doing what you're doing? Because I think you're amazing. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So I think you're amazing in all the ways, but you're an entrepreneur at a very young age. Yeah. I grew up loving clothes. Um, and my very best friend, her grandfather started Dillard. So I grew up like learning a little more about the ins and outs of the industry and getting to travel with them. And then worked at a boutique in high school and was not, um, I was more of a babysitter for the store as opposed to actually running things. And so I changed my mind and decided I didn't want to do retail and I wanted to become a counselor like my sister. <laughs> and so I double majored in marketing and psychology. I just never could decide between the two and worked at Daystar for a few years out of college and then got an offer to work at a store and thought maybe I should try again. So have lived two lives all along and work at Daystar in the summers at camp and get to own a clothing store also. The clothing store in Nashville. That's very gracious and kind. Well, beautiful. I think we have to rewind a little bit because so much of our story was from a fashion truck. And when we were dating, is that right? We built it. You, had, you built you it. You were getting your master's at Belmont and you had this crazy idea of what if we took the food truck concept and put a chandelier and crown molding and high-end fashion and a truck and then pulled up in people's driveways while their kids were taking naps and let let mom shop all over the city and I happened to be dating someone who could make that dream a reality yeah and so we just took that on the road for two years two years and then a pop-up shop and then a full-time shop and and then you left me for daystar yeah <laughs> I'm so glad you told that because I think People who would discover your amazing store now wouldn't necessarily know the evolution. And I love that yeah. you went backwards and told that story. Well, people see the smile and they 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 get wrapped up in so much of who Kathleen is and her kindness and warmth and don't understand 
under all that is an extremely hard worker. And like who would Amen. who would go to Orlando, Florida, pick up a little Debbie truck, <laughs> get it retrofitted, bring it to Nashville. That's another great story is uh, we're on our way. We'd driven for two days to get to Nashville, are pulling off the interstate and the truck breaks down. And little did we know that Sissy and Helen and so many people were waiting with with Gonna champagne. Have a surprise party. <laughs> surprise when they party. We had yep. no idea until we called and said we are stuck on the side of the road in a church parking lot and can't get there. And that was kind of I think that moment would have broken a lot of people, but it was just kind of another step in a long, long story of of just Kathleen's grit and determination. Mm. I think she brings a lot of that to our relationship and parenting as well. So, Amen. Yeah. Very okay. true. Am I up? You, you're up. <laughs> and you help me fill in the blanks yeah. as well. Um, I grew up here in Nashville. Um, I have three siblings, um, two amazing parents who started uh, Salama Urban Ministries here in Nashville in the Edge Hill neighborhood which in 1986, when we moved there, um, the year I was born, it was not the most fun neighborhood. David knows this. He, he's a kind of adjacent neighbor to us, yes. but um, just took a lot of faith to move into that neighborhood. Um, and they specifically picked a place near some housing projects, um, and that would be the community that they decide to serve. Um, and my parents just showed us a daily... Um, example of walking by faith and uh they really i mean they protected us from a lot of things and we got to see a lot of things and we got to serve a lot of people and um it was just kind of a daily reminder of what life can um bring is not always um happy and joyful and and um, that things can be hard so i think we we just learned from an early age what it looks like to serve and for it to be about other people and but also what life-changing work can be done when you really get in it with people and and live in community with people so um so that was growing up and then went to school in birmingham after high school went to sanford with so many great alumni and um (laughs) so many uh great sons that are there now david's boys and Moved back to Nashville after that and did an array of things. We graduated in a very interesting moment of, of a recession and all sorts of things. But I, I tried to count it up the other day. I've gotten paid to do very different jobs from catering to construction to sales to now my job here. To at, fashion? To fashion, yeah. yeah. Um, to building trucks. I built couple of trucks for other people but um i'm now the director of gifts and leadership here at daystar so yeah did i cover it yeah, yeah okay. and when we started dating you'd never heard of daystar that's true which yeah, is yeah, yeah. incredible that's a good reminder yeah because mm. daystar and salama that your parents started started about the same year probably same year yeah four miles from each other yeah it's wild well and you're i didn't i've never heard your title your new title. Say it My again, t- director I the, of... I am the director of gifts and leadership here at Daystar. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And that feels very true. Yeah. I kind of split my time between doing the fundraising uh, with a couple other team members here and then working with kids and especially yes. 
boys, uh, teenage boys, just looking for more out of just more than just basics of, of life, but kind of how they can affect the people around them and be leaders in, in their school and their church uh, at camp in the summer. And and then I get to be the director at Hopetown. That's what I was going to say. You're the, the director of boys at Hopetown. Yeah. yeah. So we all get to live there together. We do. So thankful. With, With our two boys. I know. Yeah. I'm so thankful too. Yeah. So Aaron, out of that, when, when we were thinking and talking about questions for y'all, I mean, I feel like you have a little bit of a different perspective of sitting with these boys in counseling groups sometimes, but not in individual counseling. And sometimes I think they tell you more when you are with them in the capacity you're with them, because I, I mean, obviously I think counseling is a really important thing. And I have kids say to me regularly, my parents are paying you for you to like me or for you to listen to wow. me. And I don't, I know that's some brave kids that'll say that. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but I'm glad they say it because then yeah. I can say, well, you know, kind of disprove that theory. But I mean, that's true, but talk about more to it. But I feel like kids know that's not true about you. They know you're investing in them because you want to. And so being like that, an ear for so many boys, I really would love to hear what you feel like parents need to know today about where boys are. Because we, I mean, the whole reason we're doing this series again is because we feel like so much has changed in the last five years outside of the pandemic, but including the pandemic. But yeah, yeah I'd love for you to answer that question. Yeah, sure. Well, I think the thing that I'm probably best at at Daystar of all of our staff is falling on my face. Like mm. I, I just, I, I think I, I can relate to a lot of things of just like um, being a headstrong kid who's like trying to outwork my problems and just falling flat on my face. And so I always try to lead with where I've fallen short. And I, and I think that always helped. I, it's, it's amazing, I think, just seeing the way Daystar works. And so much of what we talk about is kind of like it's cyclical. You you do individual counseling and group and camp, and one feeds the other, feeds the other. So I may be third in line where they've done, they've seen David, and then they've done group and worked through things with friends. And then they arrive um, at camp with me and so much groundwork has been laid. So I just get to be the beneficiary of that. And sometimes I get kids for the first time at camp and it really is about, um, just not having to be so guarded about where we mess up. And, um, I think that's just where a lot of the honesty comes. If, if I guess in your question, like what advice to parents, I think, it's just amazing to let your kids in on where you make mistakes. Even with mm. Henry, our four-year-old, just reminding him now, like, buddy, I made a mistake today. Like, I talked to someone in a way I wish I wouldn't have. And um, I, I think just not being obsessed with having to be, like, the perfect um, example of how to do everything correctly and right the first time, but kind of show that, that we make mistakes. And, and, and camp is such an ecosystem of that. Cause we're, we're all living together. So we're going to make a mistake. Like <laughs> In we're going to each other. Sure. We're going to mess up and we're around each other morning, noon and night. And so I'm going to, I have chances to circle back with kids and say, Oh, I wish I would have said that differently. Or, um, 
you know, what I really meant when I said that a little while ago was this, and I probably came off like that. So, um, yeah, I think I just, um, feel okay with like, I, I think just in, in, Kathleen helps me so much with like forgiving myself and being okay with like admitting to, to certain things and, and not having to feel like I have to be perfect. Thank so. you for that. Mm. Yeah. Kathleen, your whole mission really isn't about clothes, but about helping women feel good about themselves. And so many moms we hear are in perpetual struggles with their daughters over fashion. What advice would you give to moms in that space? Oh, you know, um, I would go back to Sissy and David talking about choosing battles mm. for sure. Um, and I think pick pick the battles you care to fight. Pick the absolute no's and let the other ones go. Mm. Um, sorry, I don't know why that makes me teary. <laughs> I think it makes me remember some of the battles mom picked. And I'm like, <laughs> yep, that was a good battle. Um, <laughs> that's so good. But also, mm. um, I didn't want her to pick them when she did. But... <laughs> I also think to have pull someone else in, if you have a trusted friend that yes. you, they know your battle lines also, um, to let them take them shopping and pick out some clothes and take yourself out of it for a minute at least. Um, and I, as a mom of a four-year-old boy, am already having this conversation with my child because he wants to wear his Hopetown t-shirt every single day. <laughs> and I'm trying to tell him he can't wear his Hopetown t-shirt mm. to school every day. So letting him know that there are days he gets to totally pick and wear the wacky pants and the Hopetown t-shirt and everything he wants. And then on school days, I get to pick. Yes. So that's good. Awesome. Well, and I have so often when I'm counseling mothers and daughters that are in it said, here's Kathleen's number. I want you to call Kathleen, take your daughter to the store. Because I do think to have somebody, whether it's another mom that your daughter thinks is cool, a youth director who can say, not only, I mean, I don't know how you say this, but kind of like, here are the things that are most flattering, yes. like can help with that, but also discourage certain trends, you mm -hmm. know, all of that. I just think have, that's a great place to have another voice for moms well, and girls. High school kids, especially, maybe preteen to high school kids, I would say even for me in the store are the hardest to dress because they have such a specific TikTok person they're envisioning yes. or outfit they saw on Instagram or something. It's just so specific and not about their body at all. It's just about the stress that looks a certain way. And so I think that's where it's nice to ask for help from someone else because it's not you fighting mainstream world. It's like someone being like, I think this is actually what looks awesome on you. And let me tell you why. Yes. Yes. That's so good. I love that. Okay, just in your own life, I think you do an amazing job of balancing work and family, which is a place I think a lot of moms feel really discouraged and scared and a lot of regret. Can you talk about how you do that, what your approach is, what encouragement you would give moms in that place? Sure, it's just going to make me cry to start with. I'm, I'm so sorry. sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I think it's, yeah, I feel discouragement in it a lot. And I think mm. it's one of those things you like, you just feel like you do. I feel like I do a million things not well. Mm. Um, typically every once in a while, I feel like I had a win, but, um, for those of you who are listening, Kathleen does everything perfectly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just saying. I definitely don't, but I do feel like I wear a lot of hats, but I, 
also will say that I have made some choices. Like I remember being in grad school and them saying, do you want to have a lot of stores? And I was like, no, that's not what I want. I want this to be a store that I love and I love working and I can leave and go pick up my kid from school. Um, and so I have made sure that every afternoon the store is covered so that I can go pick Henry up. And some days it is so hard. Mm. Um, and other days it's the sweetest thing ever. And other days I'm on my computer all afternoon and I'm like, why am I doing this? This is silly. Mm. And other days I get to sit in a baby pool um, and play. And so I think it's a daily choice. And some days it doesn't, a lot of days it doesn't look like you want it to, but, but it's about the choice, I think. I feel like so much of it has to do with fulfillment as well. Like for you to feel fulfillment as a business owner and as a mom and as a wife, like it feels like once you add more categories, like something's going to fall short. Mm -hmm. And I feel like often the battle is like if one thing falls short, everything feels like it's falling short. Mm -hmm. And that's so not the truth about you. Mm -hmm. Like and. And I feel like you are so wise with your choices of saying, like, Henry's only four once, and I'm going to choose this, and I can choose the other things forever. But right now it's about him, and it's about watching him grow up and being a part of that. And that has led to a lot of conversations about a lot of activities and sports and, um, yeah, just – so many different things, but I feel like that is something as far as us as teammates relying on our gut. I, I think I just really rely on you figuring out what's too much, what's right on, what is the best choice now? Because you always just have such a big picture of what like what our family and what the business and so many things are like how all the dominoes would play out if you choose this thing or the other. Well, and I remember a few years ago, you saying, maybe you need a hobby to do something you enjoy. And I was like, don't need a hobby. Don't want a hobby. Don't get a hobby near me. Don't give me anything else to do. Thing to suggest to you. Yeah. I totally, Those are the things where I'm like, why are we on the podcast? Like, no, well, no, it was kind. You were trying to like just self-care me. Like, yeah. Give me something to help. And like. No, I like Tim's iceberg. No more time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you two, you are incredible with your boys. One of the greatest gifts of knowing you both and, and being in close proximity is to get to watch that. Can we say, have we said ever out loud that they call you Uncle David? <sighs> it's one of and my favorite things. And they were climbing all over you yesterday for a good few minutes. My wife said the other day, like, when, how old do you think they'll be when they figure out that <laughs> Aunt Connie and Uncle David aren't really related by blood? And I'm like, I don't know. Never, and that'll happen, but never. we're going to keep it going for as long as we can. And I savor that title. And, mm. and I really do love to watch both of you. I mean, just at less than 24 hours ago watching you when you pulled up in the driveway and seeing you interact with both of them. It's beautiful to watch. And would love to ask you what has surprised you the most about parenting littles, either about them or about yourselves. I think maybe God gave me boys because maybe with girls, I would think I had some control. And with boys, I'm so aware that I have none. <laughs> um, like I 
didn't know anything about little boys. I still don't know much about little boys. Um, it's just such a like, this is all new to me and not something that I can like see what it looks like going forward and need them to follow this really direct path. That was what mine was. It's just totally different. And they wrestle me and they, it's just not how I relate at all. Um, but it's so fun and different. And, um, so I would say that from a six on the Enneagram, I might have anticipated that as a mom, I would be anxious and fearful and like trying to control all their things that might could happen. And I don't know if it's because it's boys or just something counterfeit or phobic. I get real confused of the word. Um, but in me that doesn't go there as much. Um, and it's more like these little boys, they just fall all the time. <laughs> and Henry got staples in his head this spring. I don't know. It just, yeah. it's like maybe God protected me from some worry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, I think for me, the big surprise was how early you see their personalities mm. and to kind of, you need to act accordingly. Like they're, <laughs> they are a blob until they just wake up one day and they're like, they engage with you and engage with the world mm. and you start seeing what aspects of each of us they they have. And it's mm. like, wow, like how, where did this come from? And then you're like, oh yeah, that's me. Or <laughs> oh, that, that's Kathleen. And um, to start engaging with them like as soon as you start seeing those things and that, that really um, caught me off guard. Like I could not believe how soon I could see different tendencies and behaviors and, and even humor, like our wit, um, is hilarious and <laughs> loves playing jokes and he's a year and a half, not even a year and a half. So mm. yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So thinking back on your growing ups, what would y'all each say that your parents did, our parents did, what's something they did that has shaped who you want to be as parents? So I would say our mom was 43 when she had me. Yes. Um, and 43 back then it feels like 63 now. I mean, that was nice. You're about to say 53. No, David and I are 53. <laughs> Maybe she seemed 53 when I was born. I just yeah. don't remember her in that stage. Um, but she was a, the oldest of all the moms that I knew for sure. And I think as a not oldest mom, it is really easy for me to want to not sit on the floor and play. Mm. Um, But that was something mom felt so strongly about and always picked to do was to sit on the floor and play Candyland with us and engage and um, not be too busy. And yeah, I think I like that is so ingrained in my head of like set the computer down, set the laundry down, whatever it is, set it down and go engage with Henry. And it is so much easier not to, um, Mm. but it is a choice. I feel like I try to make at least a few times a day. And when I'm not making it, Henry's saying, mom, will you play with me? Mom, will you play with me? And I (laughs) battle the like feeling guilty that I'm not. And also reality that I cannot all the time, but I do want to make a choice too, at least a few times a day. Mm. Yeah, I think my parents showed me so much through their actions, just of how they cared for people and cared for us. And um, I think one of the big things was just making 
hard decisions with a lot of thought. Like, I feel like they were very thoughtful of, okay, we're going to make the hard decision of choosing ministry, but it came with a lot of thought and we're going to make the decision to live in this neighborhood, but it came with a lot of thought. So even when we got answers, we weren't thrilled with about what we could and couldn't do. It always had a reason. And, and I feel like not just like, I, I feel like the way that translate translates to our life is not just saying no to our kids without, you know, a little bit of an explanation. And I think that's, that's obviously a slippery slope where you don't um, necessarily want to explain everything. But I think when you kind of let them into your thought process, and I, I think it also allows for a lot of honesty and just say like, I let you try this once your way and it didn't quite go the way you said it was going to. So this time we're going to do it my way. Or, um, I, and I don't always, sometimes I give a quick no and we move on. But I think one of the things my parents did a great job of is saying, this is what we're doing and this is why, and, or this is what's best for the family. And this is why, um, my parents presented a united front and it, there was no playing one parent against another like that did not exist in my house. So I, I would say that's, that's something that's translated to us for sure. Yeah. I was a master of trying to play one parent <laughs> against the other. Wow. <laughs> one of my favorite things of all the things I respect in watching the two of you as parents is how you help your boys regulate themselves to just stop and slow down and, and listen and, one would love to just ask kind of how did you discover the importance of that and what have you learned makes a difference in that space? Well, it's something I struggled with growing up. And I think there was a desire to like learn what are these things internally that are causing this outward behavior. And and we just, Henry, our oldest. Is, is perfect. Is perfect. <laughs> And his less perfect moments look like <laughs> a lot of just if he sees somebody he loves across the room, <laughs> he will jump out of his chair, run through a crowd of people without his parents knowing, give them a hug, have the best time. But his parents can be looking at each other like, where the heck is our, our four year old, four year old. Yeah. Two year old at the time. So. I think we just and I hate that for y'all. Those of us who receive that yeah. gift, yeah. you don't, you don't, don't even know. Uh, yeah. It is like holding a puppy. Right. I can't even tell you. So I yeah. apologize for what it does to the two of you. Thank yeah. you for the gift. He's doing a service. Yes, um, he is. And, and I think that even just explain the difference and like that is such a good thing to go hug Uncle David. But we need to know where you're going. And I think part. Part of where we really realized that was a few summers ago, Henry had spent the whole summer at Hopetown, and every college kid, he form tackled. But they did not fall down because they were college kids, and he adored. Um, and, I mean, he just has the most energy toward loving people. Yeah. But that translates really differently onto a three-year-old playground. And so when yes. he form tackled to hug a friend, they fell to the three-year-old playground. Um, and so I think that was the beginning of us being like, oh, we need some right, actual right. regulation. And I, insert Bricktop's waitress with a <laughs> tray full of drinks. She got he the took her to the ground. Literally Christmas Eve this year. Took her year. to the ground. Uh, 
Yeah. And there was someone older the other day yeah. he started to take down. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and all trying to hug. Absolutely. Show the best love, of intention. Show appreciation. Um, it, and I, I think some of the things we've learned and pairing that with occupational therapy, pairing that with things y'all talk about um, in, in your talks and books. And a school who believes the best in Henry. Like, yeah. Knows that he mm. wants to hug someone. Yeah. That that is yes. his heart. Um, and, and that they're who helped us find occupational therapy. Yeah. I think people who know your kids, who love your kids, advocate for your kids on top of what you're already doing. You kind of, again, talking about United Fronts, we can fill his teacher in and these, these of just, this is what we're working at. Like at home in these moments that can be tough. And they're like, got it. We're on it with you. But everything from using like uh street lights, red yellow, light, green light, yellow light. Yes. Yeah. Yellow light is our best friend and a great reminder to not jump straight to red light. And I think that's something we would learn from y'all is like, Mm -hmm. you're not in trouble right away. There is a moment where this is where you get to choose what happens next. Um, That was really helpful. Breathing. I I mean, y'all expressed to us the importance of breathing and how it can reset their thought process to use square breathing and um, how much, how many breaths and how much time that takes. And a calm Um, down corner. I feel like sending Henry up to his calm down corner and it not being like, go to your room, you're in trouble, but go upstairs to your calm down corner and have a minute and come back. And it is like, it's like magic. Really? I mean, when he comes back down the stairs, I'm like, you're actually a new person. Like, yes. this is wild. Yeah. And y'all have some great sensory things. I was thinking maybe we could even link to them in the show notes. The little canoe, I don't even know what it yeah. is, but uh-huh. little different yeah. toys that have yeah. been great uh-huh. that he it, loves. And I think something I've, Something I've noticed going to y'all's talks, everyone there seems like they're our age. And <laughs> there is something about our age where we buy the products and we read the books and keep buying books and reading books, please. Um, listen to the podcast. And listen to the podcast. But are looking for answers and not everything is going to be like one and done where it's, right. oh, we got this thing that fixed this thing and then we're done. I think that's what I've learned so much is it's just being constant with Henry to not say, oh, we tried that, that thing we got and didn't work. And so let's throw up our hands till we find the next product. But I think really simple things like noticing the difference when Henry is watching TV versus playing with Legos, Mm. like that, those are two different kids. And the difference between him watching TV and playing Legos is sometimes I need to enter into that space. I need to be playing Legos with him too. And I'm, I'm, I think facing the reality of like, I have to actively participate in some of these things and it's going to be a commitment for me. And he's just a different kid when he's, when he's using his hands and he's, he's getting sensory input. Like those things really do work. It's just like, how committed are we as parents? How do we remember to go to yellow light? Often we just skip it and, I'm like, red light, because he's heading towards the streets, so and you got to go straight to red light. So uh, what would you add? Nothing, really. That was I, great. Yeah, love everything you said. I feel like um, the Henry and I breathe a lot 
um, a lot of square breathing, a lot of whatever rocket ship he wants to draw on his leg. Um, and oh, that's cool. He draws a rocket ship. Uh-huh. I he even know he that. draws that's a great a lot of different mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Um, and he might be the only four year old who has read David's workbook, um, but and loved it, loved it. And so it was so fun. I mean, I honestly, I probably shouldn't say this in front of you, but I might not have started reading it to my four year old just thinking he wasn't old enough. And he grabbed it from the bookshelf and wanted to read it because he heard his friend James Martin was reading it, who's a few years older. And so I feel like even while we were reading that, it just gave us fun and interesting conversation topics and words to things he was doing or feeling or acting out. So, so if you have a boy from, he was three when y'all started reading it, probably, wasn't he? The latter end of three? Maybe. Maybe. To up to, what are your ages? Well, I, I wrote it for six to 12, but I can't tell you the number of 30-year-old men who've yeah. talked about <laughs> practicing some right things. Here. Strong and, and smart. Right Get a copy yeah. of Strong and Smart. Uh-huh. That's kind. Thank you. So as we're thinking about stages of development and you think about your own life, would y'all say you had a favorite stage growing up and why? I would say, I mean, I feel like any girl would probably say pre-middle school, like when you feel free and totally playful in yourself and um, feels like such a sweet spot. Probably four to 12 or I don't know. I know the middle school worries are coming on earlier and earlier these Mm. days, but I feel like for us, it was probably Mm -hmm. 12-ish. So I guess that's stage two for Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. girls-ish. And I think one part of that is I definitely felt like I got to be adventurous, which maybe was the beginning of entrepreneurial. Um, But I had a dad who taught me to fish and ski and do a lot of things that were um, maybe not the norm for little girls and especially not the norm for girls with divorced parents who weren't with their dad as much. So thankful that I got to spread my wings and learn that I was capable I'd say for me, probably stage five, is that like? 18 to 20s? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I would say so. Um, and that would include senior year of high school. I think just get, getting a taste of freedom and getting a drive and kind of being faced with who do I want to be now that I have the opportunity to do that. Um, I think that was really exciting for me. I think so much of what we can share in common is is adventure and and going out and experiencing things. I mean, I, th- I think that's so much of what our family's life has become is is just traveling and experiencing things. So, yeah, for me, it was it was a lot of like becoming my own person and and probably then just figuring out who do I want to be. Um, is so much of, of life before that was like fitting into a family, like such, I'm such a middle child and kind of playing the role, um, that, that was easiest on the family. And then that kind of switched when I was like, Oh, I'm almost out of here. Like, who do I want to be? So that's what I would say. Can I ask y'all a question? Sure. (laughs) I, and, and maybe it fits in with one of these questions here, but I, I really, I think it would be, um, important for people to hear because it, for me, it's the biggest challenge as a parent is when do those traits of your child that are most like you, and it's something y'all talk about when y'all um, speak in Nashville and all over the country, like the the child who is most like you is the one that's going to drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. And 
but what do you do after that? Like, what do you, how do you, um, acknowledge that it's not always a bad thing and how do you work with them and, and respond to those things that just drive you up a wall? It's a great it question. It is a great question. I have a thought. You have a thought? Yeah, you go first. I was going to say, I, I think our hope always would be that it drives you to doing your own work so that you don't accidentally put your stuff onto them, that yeah. whole we yeah. transfer whatever we don't transform. But I think, too, you know, you talk about this so well with anxiety. Like, you know, I think parents who have struggled with anxiety, who have kids with anxiety, for example, so quickly, easily, consistently go to that place of thinking, I caused this, there it is, mm-hmm. as opposed to reframing some of that into and because I understand what it's like to live in that skin, I could be one of the greatest agents of change. Yeah. I think even the way, I love the way, Aaron, you talked about that when we talked about the regulation question. You led with, I struggled in that space. So it's yeah. like, you are overqualified to take that journey with Henry because you understand what that's like to, to mm-hmm. live in that skin. Whereas you might not have tackled waitresses in a restaurant, Kathleen, but right. it's like yeah. right. you get uh-huh. the instinct, you get that big love, that big energy. And yeah. so I, I think I'm always hoping parents will go to some of that space too, as opposed to just camping out in the places where it's so hard for me to see right. some of the same struggles right. show up. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah, I love that. And I was thinking, I think that's so much of even what inspires you to say, and he has a school that gets him mm-hmm. because you maybe didn't feel that in certain stretches um, or with certain teachers. You were at an amazing school. But um, but I wonder if some of it is I think it's easy to think, how do I prevent them from hitting the same mistakes that right, I made? Right. And instead, maybe it's backing up and saying, what did I need? Yeah, because I think preventing them means we're probably going to be harder on them. Oh, for sure. But what did I need? You definitely needed someone to help guide you, but with a whole lot of empathy and a whole lot of understanding. And you're going to be able to understand in a way that Kathleen, like you're saying, isn't, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know what it's like to feel to be Henry, you know, but you know a little more. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. Of what that's like. Yeah. I think the two pitfalls that you and y'all just identified them, but one is I'm more aware of it. Like I'm probably the first one to catch on. Like when here he's... it comes. <laughs> so I'm probably the most critical of it. Mm, exactly. And I think the the defeating thing is I should know how to fix this or do this, but I don't. So you said mm. trans, transfer, transform. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love that. Um, I got some work to do. Mm. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Don't we all? Yes. Don't we all? Absolutely. Well, thinking about your stage one guys, as we keep continuing this conversation about the stage, it's like, what would you say has been a unique challenge about the space? And what would you say is something you've just absolutely loved about this stage? I mean, boys are just sweet. I just didn't know that. So that's been the biggest surprise, I would say, is just how snuggly and cuddly and lovey and tell you they love you all that like it just is it's amazing and you forget how hard four has been yeah like, totally yeah we can't help but smile just thinking about them i say in my head four and so 14 four like, and 14 david says four and 14 <laughs> yeah, all the for time sure. 
we have been living that this year. Um, like, yeah, it's just a lot of just wrestling matches and being just cl- like we're just close. We're just mm-hmm. hugging on each other and slamming into each other. <laughs> and, <laughs> I think seeing them interact is just I can't think of a better thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting to watch them start to do it, wrestle and play. And yeah. Yeah. Bump into each other a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's fun. Uh-huh. You asked hard, though. What was the question? Hardest part of the stage? Yeah, I would say four. David was spot on. Um, and I would think it's probably, you could speak to this way more than I could, but just Henry learning that he really does have his own opinions. Yeah. And different than, I feel like Wit right now is demanding at one and a half. Mom, 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 mom. <laughs> Literally two and a half hour <laughs> car ride. That's all I hear. Yeah. Um, he had more words and somehow we've come back to mom and dad. And so dad is like whatever it is he wants. So the demandingness is pointing and demanding whatever it is. And that feels like hard in a whole different way. Um, where he's like learning he actually has things he wants. Mm. But Henry is learning he has opinions and like thoughts and ideas. And that has to be hard because for a long time he went along with our thoughts and ideas and plans. And he's just learning his little brain is capable, which is exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. And with that, it's like the thought goes straight to action and if we slow him down or want to do something different, it just, it can blow up. It can lead to disappointment. It can lead to tears. It can lead to all sorts of Which is how I and, feel about expectations. So I get that part of it yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, you understand it. But at the same time, you're like, do we have to do this right now? <laughs> <laughs> like highs and lows, mm. highs and lows. Yeah. It's a great way to describe it. We had a fort in our living room today that Henry built yesterday. And today, Henry kept pulling out more and more snacks and would give it to me and say, Mom, I want you to have this because I love you so much. (laughs) And Aaron was like, how many snacks did you take out of the pantry? Like, (laughs) he is so sweet and good at getting exactly what his little Mm. heart desires. So what would y'all say is the best parenting advice you've ever been given? No, all I keep saying is 4 and 14, 4 and 14, all over again in my head. But I, I think that's probably it. Just that, like, it is about the development and not about the child. Um, mm. That it isn't just that Henry is hard. Because Henry is delightful also, and he's hard in moments. But that is developmentally appropriate. Um, and I feel like when before we started OT and things got hard harder and Henry was wild um and he still is wild but hearing david say like that is developmentally appropriate for boys they are Mm -hmm. active aggressive and curious um so i think just the freedom and knowing that it's not just the one child but that it's normal and appropriate behavior yeah i i would say for me and as part of y'all's role in our kids lives is is just having a team Mm -hmm. because I think so much pressure is is put on us as parents that isn't even from out, outside people. Uh, I think just you just feel scrutiny over like, well, how are y'all doing this? And when are you deciding to do this? And what is your thing? And, and 
one that y'all have just reinforced like your instincts are great Two, like have other resources other than just the voice inside your head um have books and podcasts and material and then three just have other people in your kids lives that you don't have to you know shoulder every single responsibility but just make sure they're they're people you trust and that you're all moving in the same direction i want to add to that Aaron, I loved your answer to that. It made me think, you know, the reality is, I don't know that I've talked about on here that both of my sons, two of my three children worked at Hopetown this summer. Mm -hmm. And the gift that was to us to think, gosh, our kids are going to be around three of the adults that I love and trust the most in this world. And, And I remember... Connie and I both in different conversations, like saying, thinking about you all being a part of our team, like watch and and notice things with these three human beings who are just remarkable. I remember we laughed because Connie said, you haven't been around a, a dad who knows how to grill. And so <laughs> please pay close attention to what Aaron's doing. And then I was like, and he can build. Like I started listing out all these things. You know, I've always told you you're such a renaissance man. But I think the the gift of thinking about that concept that the three of you have been in the lives of my own children. So I just want to echo that. Like I think it's it's part of that wisdom of it takes a village and you've been part of our village. So grateful for all of you. We have such a unique gift in you and that mm-hmm. we get to, I feel like anyone who, when you post about the boys on Instagram are like, those boys are the luckiest in the world and they are the luckiest because they get you. Mm. And what a unique gift you are to them that I think you were to me too, Mm. as 16 years older, Mm. um, that you weren't my parent. And so you were all of these things. Like you Mm. were the other person who went shopping with me and didn't, mom didn't have to, you were the other person who stepped into friend stuff that wasn't my mom. And, um, the fact that you get to be that that I have gotten to have you as that for me, but also get to watch you be that for the boys is the sweetest gift ever. Mm. And I think there are probably some other aunts or uncles out there who have the same role. Um, So what, what is it like being the third parent and um, getting to raise up a couple of generations um, separate of the millions of kids you have raised at Daystar? But I don't know that I, I don't think I could say a struggle. It's just the sweetest to watch and the the generations. I mean, to watch you with them and this fellow that you picked, that God picked for you. <laughs> um, Henry had a bunker party last night, and I just, I mean, I know y'all do too, but the amount of time, I, I feel so much like mom when I do this, but I just catch myself staring at him. Yeah. Like for stretches of time, and I think he probably so creeped out. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, mom, stop. But I just, I just like to touch his little arm and just stare at him and and wet too for sure. But he's not having bucket parties quite yet. But yeah. it's the sweetest to get to be invited in and be a part of it. And I'm like, I don't know how mom had the, that perspective because she was also the mom. But I feel like that is the perspective you have, and that you get to sit and stare at him and pat on him in a way that I often don't take yeah, time to do. Totally. Mm. Um, so I'm so thankful that you do. It's, it's not creepy. It's the best ever. Yeah. He's going to tell me to stop at some point and call me Velcro, just like we called mom. But yeah. Well. Yeah. That's okay. Right. I'm okay to be Velcro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So we'd love to ask you what family meal defined your growing up mm. or what meal do you think might define your boys growing up? And you can even answer two if you want to since you were growing up in two houses because I'd be curious about mm-hmm. our house versus dad and Jane's house. Yeah. Huh. Well, I would say um, mom quit cooking when I was in eighth grade. So we <laughs> ate out every single night of my life. <laughs> So welcome to Aaron's um, life that we're like, where are we going tonight? Um, so I think mine with mom, we always shared a cheeseburger and um, yes. And then Jane was the first person who ever made salad for me. And I didn't know that asparagus could come not in a can. So Jane introduced me to a whole new world of food at their house. So those would be my growing up. And dad was a good cook. Dad was too. Great. Yes. Dad was the grill person for sure. That's a great question. I I use that question a lot at camp when we're sitting around the table and don't know what to talk about. I love hearing about what people's house specialty is. Like, what does your mom or dad make that probably none of your friends have ever had? Or it's really interesting because there's almost always a story behind it. Um, But my... So my mom somehow had a meal on the table every morning and every night, even though she worked like 50 hours a week. And uh, it always was something that could feed all six of us and stick to our ribs, as she would say, and would stay hot and she could make on, on a Sunday that would be good on Thursday to pop in the oven. So I'd say one of... One of, she made calzones that were fantastic and she would still volunteer to cook for the football team or the basketball team. And she'd make food for 50 people on top of what she's doing for our family during the week. But that was something when Miss Weber was on the list to bring the meal, all the guys got really excited. Um, so I, I think just, yeah, I think a special memory of knowing how hard it was just to get by, but also provide for others. Um, that was, that was a really cool gift. Um, she gave to all of us. So. And Aaron is the cook in our family. So I would say a family meal. <laughs> Henry asked me the other morning, our, um, lady who helps with the boys was there and she was going to get Henry some food. And he said, no, I want, I want my mom to get me food that dad made. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yep, that feels about right. Yeah. Um, so Lots of tacos. Family meals would include. Yeah. Uh huh. Chicken tacos, steak tacos, breakfast tacos. There's usually a taco somewhere around. We're uh, in good company. Yes. Good yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think, um, yeah, a lot of, you know, Henry loves new, any noodle dish, chicken lo mein, ramen fettuccine any of that so we I don't know it's just and Wit loves all of it but more yes yes. (laughs) we couldn't get talked out with you I know so fun to get to do this thank you yeah for for having us it was so fun did you love today's episode if so would you mind sharing it with a friend send a quick text or email with the link to the show. Join us next time for another episode where we'll bring you help and hope on your journey of raising boys and girls.